Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Bob'sHeating.com, Ray Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line, streaming live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com, and of course, the venerable V. Outdoorline.com with blogs, podcasts, and so very, very much more. Joey Pyburn. Good morning. Joey Pyburn had a steelhead and a couple blackmouth try to remove your arms from the sockets this week, ah, which my, which was which was good. My shoulder's sore. It, yeah, your shoulder's sore. That's that's a whole nother topic <laughs> over here. Um and uh and the salmon forecast. The salmon forecasts are here. The salmon forecast. Look it. I we was, have we have it all we, right we, here. We, all we, the information right we, in front of us. There's a social media pic right there with all the freaking paper across it. You know, it's like uh Steve Martin the jerk, you know, the new phone book is here, the new phone book every <laughs> every year the the forecasts come in. I just yeah, but hey, look, you know this 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 is the meat right this is where we're this going is what we've to, all been waiting for for sure yeah yeah and and now we got to get a peek at thing and there's some there's some really good points there's more good than there is bad okay um there's a couple key stocks that i that i was i had higher aspirations for had, had higher hopes but uh but all in all if you had a decent season last year you and 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 if you thought you had decent opportunity we should have a few more fish to work with and definitely a few more days on the water yeah and and you know our chinook fishing last year was good we had a good good coho run um and and then we also now this season we're going to have a four million pink salmon swimming <laughs> around out there to 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 mess with so. that that's a pile that's it a is. pile especially you know when you when you look back at where we where we came from you know, we our our humpies were in the dirt. You know, a, a few just just a short couple of years ago. You know, and and we uh, you know, and this year we've got pushing four million. I mean, you you look at you, you look at back in twenty nineteen, we had just over six hundred thousand come back to Puget Sound. Then they just they you know they flash bombed into a almost a three million pink run in twenty twenty one, and this year three point nine. So you know, um, man, these pinks get. Some decent spawning conditions, and they, they could they could flash much higher than that. But so so, but back to back to your point. If you if you think you had a decent chinook run last year, a decent fishery last year, we should get all that opportunity. But yeah, the four million pinks is definitely great news, and it's going to provide a lot of opportunity. And it's so funny because you know a lot of people just don't pull their gear out of the closet until it's pink year, you know. Yeah, and which is sad, but but this is but still you know. And then. Um, so that's great news. Super good news is the coho numbers compared to last year. Jeez, seven hundred sixty thousand. That's a hundred thousand coho more just in Puget Sound than last year. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I'm no mathematician. I was looking at the last year's six hundred sixty-six thousand and trying yeah. to figure out how many more that was. But yes, <laughs> we'll call it. We'll call it a hundred grand. Yeah, we'll call, take another hundred thousand. Exciting, coho. man. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 I, I think that you know, you and I talk about the ocean conditions all the time, and 
And I think what we're seeing is, you know, good ocean conditions and, you're start- and increasing runs 100%. across the board. Yeah, you're, start- you're, seeing- you're starting to see some traction. Uh, coastal runs look-, look much improved as well. And so uh, yesterday was the forecast meeting, and our dear friend uh, Mark Uwasa, who's now with WDFW Communications, um, is going to jump jump in at 7 o'clock, and we're going to walk through these forecasts. So if you do have any questions with regard to a specific aspect or a specific forecast, you know, hit us up, 866-979-3776. That's the Reverse China Hotline. Brought to our Wellcraft Duckworth Northwest Boat, 866-979-3776 is also the text toy powered by Yamaha Outboards. So uh, let us know, you know, let us know which, uh, you know, what, what you're interested in, how we can direct the questioning to uh, to uh, Counselor Uasa when he when he joins us. But uh, you know, so so overall in Puget Sound, we're looking at a hatchery run that's up like six percent. Um, and then, of course, one of the stocks of concern, the stock of concern, is is you know perennially the the Stillaguamish River, and it's had an uptick too. Again, you know, we we've kind of alluded to the decent spawning conditions and decent rearing conditions in the freshwater environment that absolutely have the biggest effect on our, on our salmonid runs here. And, and they've been in pretty good shape in the Stillaguamish the past couple of years in general. Are there, you know, are there some exceptions to that rule? Yeah, certainly. But, uh, but just to have a few more Stillaguamish fish to work with, great news. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, you know, I know everybody's ready for spring to actually show up and, and have some nicer <laughs> weather. But all this snow we're getting is great for, our, for our salmon, and it's going to keep us uh, keep us definitely uh, on the water. And, and you know, um, I I was out on the coast, and those rivers are in great shape yeah. right now. And, and you know, sometimes those things can get just bony. And and I mean, they're they're getting these little fluctuations. It's not enough to blow them out. It's kind of just perfect. And uh, it's good to see out there too. Like the steelhead fishing has been really, yeah, pretty good this year. Solid year out there. Yeah, and and that's and that's great news too. Um, rounding out the show will be um, will be our, our our good friend Jason Tanelli from. If you've never seen his website, go check it out. PacificAngler.ca. So he's got the coolest tackle shop in in Vancouver, British Columbia. And you know, typically when the forecasts come out. I always like to go talk to Jason because Jason does a lot of the same stuff we do, you know, as as far as, you know, an advisory role with with uh, with DFO up there and just got his fingers on the pulse. Just a super sharp guy that's got a lot of different insight. One of the things um, in setting up the interview, like I said, we're going to talk to him at 725, is the prevalence of Mark Selective Fisheries that, that we're going to see in British Columbia, which which is which is great. Because the stocks of concern down here in Washington, if you're if you're running non-selective fisheries in British Columbia, um, then you're catching a lot of our unclipped fish that we need to preserve and that we need to get on the gravel. Right. So if we have, anytime you you can have a slim, a, a similar management strategy, you know. Dude, Straits of Juan de Fuca, or Canada in the north, and Washington in the south. You got two different sets of regs. Yeah, you're fighting each other. Yeah, we we don't even get a fish in Area Seven. Right. But if you just drive, you just take your boat and you go right past this little line. Yeah, it's just wide open. Wide open. Yeah. Yeah. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about that. Well, and how, and how and Jason is like this. I mean, yeah. he has done it all. He's he has fished steelhead all over the place. He's an amazing salmon angler. Uh, wealth of knowledge, man, and. And uh, and then you know we're going to talk. We're going to go out to Westport, and we're going to talk to Ian Winder, 
who uh, works for All Rivers Guide Service. And we're going to talk about a fishery that I really enjoy, which is that deep water ling fishery. It's just, I'll tell you what, if you haven't done it, you should go do it. And I will guarantee you, once you do it, you're going to do it every season. Well, I, dude, again, we've all, we've all been eating out of our freezers all winter long. So get that first batch of white meat out there is it, just a kick, you know, plus... You know, you you compare and contrast that Westport fishery to Puget Sound, which you should never do because you, the ocean is just an animal in and of itself. But it, it's kind of where the you know the backbone of us catching sand dabs and taking fish and liveies for for you know lings out here really you know got its start out there. But you know, so so in Puget Sound, you you want the little tiny you know little tiny sand dabs, you know. Is a, Dude, out in the ocean, you can, you can use whatever size. I mean, <laughs> it does not matter because yeah. there's no size restrictions. So, and we had to get Ian today, and and of course, uh, go check out the website allriversguideservice.com. Uh, they uh, they've got a really cool site going on now. So, uh, allriversguideservice.com. And and Ian, we had to get him today. Had to do the Lincoln deal today because next Saturday is the opener. It's a go time. Yeah, which is why we're having him on. Obviously, yeah. and so, but he's got a really cool program out there. You go catch your liveies, and you know, and then go get your lings, and then if you got some time, you know, then it's then it's a black rockfish bash on the way back in, and then th- those poor deckhands they spend the rest of the afternoon filleting Fillet, fish. Yeah, I tell you what, though, zipping them and bagging them. If if I come home like like you know, last couple of years out at CQ, we come home with with some lings and some black rocks. I eat the black rocks first. Fresh black rockfish is absolutely freaking amazing, you know. And and the lings hold up a little bit better in a freezer they do. than the black rocks. But still, it's it's fish taco time for sure. That was kind of Pete Pete Howtrow, uh, our buddy. I went out and fished with him in CQ, and that was kind of our plan. We we're like, okay, if we bang out our chinook pretty yeah. quick, we're gonna run and get some black rocks for for dinner, you know. But we, we we'll, we'll get into it. But that didn't happen. We, so we, tell you what, let's put a pin in that. Yeah. You got to go out to the peninsula. I chickened out. It was just absolutely, there was no way. Wisely. I, mean, I was going to tow a 30-footer, man. You they just, were poopy. Yeah. And so we kind of saw that coming this time This time last week. So, But Joey went out and did some rotten things to both the blackmouth and the steelhead. And uh, and I got a couple kind of cool things installed on the boat. That thing's going to be ready for Freddie when the, mm-hmm. when, when the time comes. No question about it. All right, so give us 90 seconds. Load up that text toy, 866-979-3776, and uh, give us 90 seconds. And uh, we're going to get the CQ report, the opener, the opener from CQ. A little steelhead talk a little bit more here on the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcoming aboard Bob's Heating and Air Conditioning, brand new sponsor on the Outdoor Line radio program on 710 ESPN Seattle. And a Very, fellow duck hunter. Oh, dude. Yeah. Vern is, Vern is all fellow elk hunter, duck Everything hunter, hunter. The, yep. the whole bit. So uh, thanks for jumping on board. The Olson family, love to have you. Um, yeah, a couple texts coming in, uh, 866-979-376. We'll get to them. 866-979-3776, also the Reverse Giant Hotline, Brighter Well Wellcraft, Duckworth, Northwest Boat. Um, Joey jumped into somebody else's boat and fished the CQ opener. I'm just so disappointed. Shocking. Shocking. I jumped into I somebody else's boat. So we got a, um, we got a friend out there at CQ, Pete Hotrod, just a great guy, and keeps his boat out there because, dude, 
if you towed your boat out there, and we had some friends that actually the Varan family, they yeah. they towed their boat out there. It just you, it, it was a you know go slow all day deal, but it's kind of a little different deal when you've got a thirty foot or two. But they, it, I the sense of that CQ fishery I get is it wasn't quite what it was last year. No, no way, not at all. Um, I mean, we had. We had that in our minds uh, as oh, we yeah. pulled away from the How dock you in not? the morning. I was like, we, we, we were like, well, we will we go out and bang them out real fast, yeah. and then we'll go get rocks, or we'll go jump in the raft and float the river in the there afternoon. You go. Uh, but that did not happen. Um, we went right to the caves, hit the shallow water, started dragging west, and nothing. Blank screen, no bait, no birds working. Um, it's just so tough when you get out there and you're just looking for any information. Yeah, you know, and and not marking and not and, and the birds, the lack of birds. That's... And I had a few guys that I knew out there, so I'm obviously oh, yeah. starting to talk to guys. Hey, what are you In, seeing? Info right? network. You know, bounce out to some deeper water. I start, I start telling guys to go do yeah. stuff that I don't want to do. <laughs> like, hey, maybe you should go out to 300 feet and see what's out there. Just, well, I mean, dude, but it's kind of cool because you break the break the area apart a little bit and work together, you know, a little bit. You know, you, you see that stuff on Deadliest Catch all the time, right? Yep. You're going to so, send, send, so send, send we, a greenhorn out to the bad water. <laughs> we, uh, we ended up doing a drag, and then we ran back up to Slip and, and thought yeah. we'd do that inside yep. the bay deal. Yep. And... Nothing, and mm. we trolled that all the way down to the caves, and then bounced out to the one twenty line, and then we picked up a couple fish. Actually, two really nice fish. Um, the the first fish I was at, we we're in like one twenty. Um, we kind of slid out, so I was maybe ten feet off the bottom. So I go to run my trophy back down to the bottom, and as soon as it started to go down, it popped Boink. off, and and my rod buckled. Yeah. And started peeling line, and yeah, I was baby. like, oh, yeah, man, baby. this is a good one. And so we fought that fish, got it up, scooped it, took a look, had a fin. So we, we turned that one loose. Uh, then then I plucked another one, also like eight or nine-pound fish, good fish, had a little fin. So we let that one go. It was actually a misclip. Yeah. We, we could have kept it. I just didn't want to yeah, deal with, with it. With you, well, with only two guys on the boat. Yeah, you know, and you're, and, and you're, and and you're thinking you in the know, back man. of your mind, it, you you, the, you you can't divorce your thoughts from what we did last year. And the tide was just starting. Yeah, it, what wasn't a lot of water movement, but the tide was just starting to go out. I figured we'd we'd do better mid mid tide uh, as that thing was starting to drop. Um, so then we we'd release two fish. Pete was running a spoon on his side of the boat. I was obviously running my my. I was running that cop car glow scale head anchovy special head. It just looked good. And uh, about 60 inches. I went yeah. kind of long, 60 yeah. inches behind the flasher. And and obviously that anchovy was getting bit. Pete held out for like an hour with his spoon. And then he was like, check to the power. He actually asked this. He goes, do, do, do you have enough bait for me to fish? And I was like, come on, dude. Who do you think you're talking do you, to? Does Joey have enough bait? Um, the answer to that question is always, and I, I decided yes. So you so you ended up with a couple of them. You brought me a chunk of one. That's uh, that, that's that's going to go on the, on, yeah, we, on the, we on the pellet up, grill this afternoon. We ended up late in the Kathy day. Kathy and I are going to get a chunk of that. So ended yeah. up late in the day. We we got two really nice fish. Um, and, yeah, you know, at that point we went in, and only two boats had went in in front of us. Yeah. Everybody else was still out there. So it, you could tell it just wasn't, sure. you know, it wasn't on fire. There was a couple little bites, and and the the thing for me was when I'm not seeing bait, yeah, you're you know there's not a lot of fish around wherever that bait was. 
um, I'll, I'll guarantee you there's a there's a lot of Chinook sitting on that bait. The, the, the numbers, the, the checker numbers on, on WDFW's Creel site from the opener, you know, they had 57 anglers with 28 Chinook. So, I mean, that's that's a half a Chinook, right? And then and then the second was, was even tougher because you had 0.3 of a Chinook per rod. So you had a dozen checked for 40 anglers. And then, and then yesterday, you know, back up to point four. So you had seventy three anglers with twenty nine Chinook. But I, uh, you know, I would have to go look. And but I want to say the creel numbers were m- much more substantial last year. So, so you know, we uh, hopefully without such a hot start, we can you know maybe have a little yeah. confidence this yeah. fishery is going to go a little bit till we get some better weather. Because man, I tell you what, we are. You know, it, we're ten to fifteen degrees kind of below normal right now. And but you know, again. Lots of snow in the hills, great for the salmon, not so great for the deer. But uh, but then the other big thing that happened yesterday that we really didn't touch on, we got a couple questions from the text, 866 979 So, you know, the WDFW put on about a six- or seven-hour meeting yesterday. You could attend it in person. Um, down in Lacey, or you could, or you could do it virtually. I elected to uh, jump in and, and do the virtual options because it would would have taken me another two hours down and two hours back to Olympian back. But um, they did a good job with regard to the presentation and some of the things we're getting questioned on the text toy is what is the stoplight chart? And and if you want to go see this meeting, you can jump on the North of Falcon page in WDFW and and, and go view the meeting. Um, the stoplight chart is is basically a very broken down look at oceanic productivity, uh, oceanic temperatures, copepod biomass. Uh, the temperatures are are very interesting because they warmer warmer sea surface temperatures will block coastal upwelling. Coastal upwelling is that oceanographic phenomena that that allows the ocean to flip over. It's not a, not completely unlike what happens in a lake when a lake turns over, but. The, the forces in effect that the ocean are completely different than any kind of limnology deal. But, but make long story short, we had a wonderful productivity uh, boost in the ocean in 2021. It that moderated a little bit last year. So you know, basically, without going into just completely nerd world on on the on the on the spot stoplight chart, you can go check that thing out, and, <laughs> and it's and and it's 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 interesting, and uh, we're definitely seeing a positive set of conditions in, in the ocean. And then um, there was a presentation with regard to the pinniped issue as well. And Nate, Nate Pamplin jumped on in and, and, and talked about a few things with regard to, uh, you know, how the state is now viewing the pinniped situation, which is, you know, sea lions, harbor seals, everything else, in view of the fact the Washington Academy of Sciences came out and it, and did, in a science-backed manner, assert that pinnipeds are holding back salmonid recovery in a lot of different fronts, right? And so just the fact that they're talking about that and, you know, is is a step in the right direction. Right now it's just lip service, right? But, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll see what's going to happen. We're not looking for a full, you know, full-on coal. Yeah, that's... We're looking for, let's get, let's take some of these big offenders, kind of what they're, like what they're doing on the Columbia, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and, and let's, you know, take care of those guys. Get them out of here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, from three six zero, large fish, large fish forecast numbers are great, but is it going to translate to more fishing opportunity with this sound? Are we going down the same road we've been going down the past couple of years? Uh, I think we're going to see more opportunity than than last year. The real question on the table is: Are we going to get a winter opportunity back in Marine Area Seven? That remains to be seen. Um, you could absolutely 
make the case that that with a few more stilly numbers, and if there's any way to quantify a mark selective fishery that's going to go on up in British Columbia, that uh, that that you can definitely make the case that hey, listen, you know, if there were fishing selectively on both sides of the borders, then we should see some something of relief in our wild fish numbers. And I really really hope that's the case. Uh, Steve from the 206, uh, do you think they're going to open up Chinook fishing in 9 or 10 at the same time last year, trying to plan my vacation time? That's what we are pushing for, is real similar seasons to we had last year. And part of that is uh, opening potential the potential of opening 7 and 9 and 10 on the same day. And that day right now, you know, we're, we're hoping that it's going to be July 13th, mm-hmm. right? Get that Thursday situation and, and, and go from there. Because, you know, look, you know, last year we had this debacle with WDFW where they didn't share the the opening position that they shared with the co-managers and they didn't even give the advisors a look at it. And then when we did finally get a look at it, it wasn't anything we discussed, including no opportunity in, in, in July. I really got to thank the listeners and everybody else last year, you guys emailed the, the the salmon managers. You guys emailed the commissioner, or excuse me, you emailed the um, you emailed Kelly Susan, the the director, and and we finally got you know people to look at this. So with more fish on the table last year, it's hard to see less opportunity, especially in view of those four million pinks. But again, we're gonna put a pin in that because our dear friend Mark Uasa is gonna jump in at zero seven hundred, but. This time next Saturday, we have the Lingcod opener in Westport. It's go catch some bait, go catch some lings, second Saturday in March. Ian Winder. Good time. AllRiversGuideService.com joining us next here in the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome to the Tech Line here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Matt Nelson running the board, Joey Pyburn on my left. I'm Tom Nelson. On the phone, tell you what, man, go log on to allriversguideservice.com, Washington's premier fishing adventure provider. I love that. Ian Winder, one of the sharpest sticks in that stable. Good morning, Ian. Thanks for jumping in this morning, dude. Hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? Not you're going good, but uh, I think you're going good next Saturday on a ling opener, aren't you? Yeah, hopefully if uh, weather weather cooperates. You know, that spring weather can be temperamental, but uh, we're all pretty excited to get out there and get started. Yeah, you you and I were talking about it yesterday, and and uh, you know, I I've done that fishery a couple times, and like you said, when if somebody comes out and does it. They always, they're coming back because it's just a fun fishery, man. And Uh-oh. one cool thing about bottom fishing is uh, obviously you're going to go out there, you're going to be targeting lingcod, but you're going to catch all kinds of you're, stuff. You're going to catch and, fish, dude. You're And there's nothing, bang. there's nothing funner than, you know, feeling that tug on the line, reeling that fish up. And I mean, you might run into some halibut, some rockfish, and then these lings, man. Talk about these big lings. Oh, they're just, they're just impressive, just impressive animals. Um, just what they eat alone is just unreal. You know, some of these fish are large enough that, you know, depending on the time of year, you'll bring them up and they'll have full salmon in their stomach. I mean, they're just, they'll just eat anything that'll come by their face. Um, even when they're full, they just seem to eat. Well, they're, they're kind of built for that. Fish. I mean, you see the fa- the the face on those things. They're, they're, and they have these big giant heads full of teeth. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, a lot of times we'll catch these fish. Sometimes these are, you know, you're, you could catch a link out there that's pushing 30 pounds. 
Um, yeah, you know, you, you get big fish and obviously no, no size limit out there. So you can actually keep those big fish, not like here in the Puget Sound, you get, you get two of them. So you end up bringing home a big, big bag of fish. Uh, you, you're usually going to go out, you're going to be dropping in what, two to 300 feet of water. It, it, you know, it really depends, especially in the spring. Uh, the depth range can be all over the place. So starting out this year, we're going to be able to fish out to what was traditionally referred to as a, a deep water fishery, which is roughly about 300 feet when you calculate out the GPS line for your boundary. Um, but in the spring, you know, you've got larger females that are up in shallower water. Um, I'd say typically we're still fishing from anywhere from like 80 feet to 200 feet, probably on average in yeah. the beginning of the season. Well, it's so cool. To um, get as we, oh, it is. You know, I mean, they haven't seen any gear. I mean, not no, even not, nothing. Not even the flat ones. Not even so. So take us no. take us through a day because we were talking about this earlier this week. And and uh, the, you know, the first thing you're going to go do is you're going to get out and make bait, and so you're going to catch a bunch of sand dabs. So so set us up for that fishery. What you're looking for? What you know? What you're looking for to try to find your sand dabs, and then what kind of structure you're going to go swim these sand dabs down <laughs> in the lings? So to tell, give break yeah. down the whole program, Ian. So the program for, you know, catching flounder is it's as simple as it sounds. Um, At a Westport, it can be a little tricky. Um, You got to be able to find the bait. And especially most of the bottom fishing is towards the north. And there's just not a lot of big areas that hold a lot of flounder to the north. You got to find that sandy bottom or a nice pea gravel. And you're usually fishing in deeper water, anywhere from 180 to 240 feet of water is where you're going to find your concentration of your sand dabs. Um, so a lot of it's trial and error, dropping around, looking to see where you can find them. And once you scoop up a bunch of sand dabs, then you're off to the races to drop it down on some hard bottom. So Which you're is another tricky thing out of Westport. Yeah, and, and so you're a raymarine guy like, like Joey and I are. And so... You you can spot a harder bottom with your marine electronics, but you also mentioned bait in, in the presence of, of the sand dabs. What kind of bait items are typically down there? And, and, and describe the thickness of the bottom trace when you're actually hitting a harder bottom that would potentially support these sand dabs. Oh, so the sand dabs, which actually it's pretty unique, is that typically a lot of the sand dabs we're catching out there are definitely feeding on smaller crustaceans gotcha. and shrimp. Shrimp. Um, a lot of small shrimp. Um, that's what most of them they seem to be spitting up. Uh, the sand dabs can be frustrating too because there's times, especially later season, where they'll be up in the water column. They'll be suspended. You'll be in 250 feet of water, but the sand dabs are only 40 feet down. And you can see them on your sonar. <laughs> And that's really frustrating. Unless you can get over the top of them, then it makes for catching them real, real quick. Um, yeah, so it's all a trial and error looking at looking for that softer bottom on sure. your sonar. Sure. Typ- typically running, you can run, you know, a high a high chirp. I typically run a medium chirp. I like that. It seems to give me just a pretty good image, no matter where I'm fishing. Um, and then, okay, so and then talk a little bit about what are you looking for out there for structure for these lings. Okay, that's, yeah, that's the tricky part, especially at a Westport, is a lot of the bottom content out there is soft. Sure. It's soft bottom wherever you go. So anytime you have a bottom composition change, it's like a desert, I mean, an oasis in the desert. Gotcha. Um, And that's the biggest thing is you don't have a lot of visuals above the surface like you do a lot of other places you fish. So a lot of it there is, you know, there's spots that we know, but there's at no time am I traveling from point A to point B without my sonar running. Yep. 
always watching my you sonar. Got to have a running. It can be even just. You got to have a running yep, pitcher always. on your on your hall because that's there's a lot of these rock piles that you're looking for that aren't on the doggone chart. How excited do you get when you're out there yeah. fishing salmon and you're run, you're running or you're or maybe you're headed out on a tuna trip where you're going to be running way out and you run across this like some little rock pile that you'd never seen before. That's got to get you pretty excited for for fishing for oh, these lanes. Yeah, I've got hundreds of waypoints on my screen that I've yet to even go take a look at. Yeah, and you know a lot of them for running tuna. The guys fishing salmon blow my mind that they're just they're they're looking for salmon, they're looking for bait balls, but my eyes are always glued on the bottom. Like, what's going on down there? Am I going to find something real special that maybe no one else has? And and that's the difference, though, Ian, between somebody that makes their living on the water and somebody that doesn't get to use their equipment as, as often. The, the the weekend guys and and you know and and with without question, that's what we try to do here is try to impart a little bit of of that of that wisdom, a little bit of that thought process, but also the fact that with the Raymarine gear and the new Lighthouse 4 software, it enables the Sonar Charts Live recording feature. So now you're improving oh. your chart plotter. Yeah. That had to that had to been a big innovation for you. Oh, that was huge. Um, uh, I went from having spots that I fished a lot for for bottom fish or for lingcod, and I would typically have a, a centralized waypoint, maybe a name for that spot or an idea of what that spot might be. But then as I got there, I had little X's all over the area marking any little feature, the outlines of the ridges, the, the edges of the plateau. And now with that sonar mapping, I've eliminated all those X's because now I can actually see the contours of the bottom and what's going on. And it's a much cleaner image. I know exactly what I'm fishing now when before it was a, it was a guess what it looked like. And it's, it's not difficult to enable this, but you have to have a transducer that gives you a running bottom pitcher at hull speed at hull planing speed. And with some hauls, that means you got to have a through haul. With other hulls, maybe you can run that big thousand watt, you know, TM two seventy five HW, whatever. But not every hull will give you a clean picture across a transom out transducer. You know, Joey and I are Joey and I are running a through hull, you know, in, in in our Duckworth these days. So what what's your what does your transducer setup look like that enables you to get these deep killer pitchers and uncover your own spots, Ian Winder? So I'm running, I'm running the through hull as well, the one K dub through hull, um, and it's it's been it's been really nice. Uh, a couple of our boats have the uh, some two Ks, and the imagery that they're getting off that is absolutely insane, especially in deep water. When we're out fishing deep water lingcod and four to five hundred feet of water, I get a good, pretty good image, but some of my guys are getting just crystal clear topography of the bottom, and it's just mind blowing. And so we recently added a sonar module to to our setup, and we're running we're running that CP four seventy. But the, you can yeah, get that CP four seventy is a huge. I'm running the three seventy still on my boat. Yeah. I haven't had a really need to upgrade it yet, but that four seventy does give a much cleaner image. I was amazed when I when I first started looking through it because we were pretty happy with our sonar imagery initially, but. The, you just can't stuff all the power, all the wattage in, in, in a head unit that you can in those sonar modules. It's just, you know, it's fact of yeah. the matter. And, and so no, that, it's, it's insane. I was the same thing. I was unbelievably impressed and happy with my 370 until I really looked at it. one of our other boats that had the 470. Yeah. I was like, oh my, this, yeah. is, well, this, this is, is a huge this difference. Is different. Yeah. 
All right, buddy. I hope the weather lays down for you. I hope you get a crack at these lings next week. And uh, and uh, you know, good good luck to you, man. I, I you know I, I'm right. jealous. I wish we could we could head out there, but uh, you know, you keep in touch because uh, you also yeah. uh, you you've been a you've been a great help to us. When we go out to Westport, I mean, Tobek and I were were running out there late last year on a tuna run, and kind of didn't know what the program was. And uh, we reached out to you, and man, you, uh, you you got us on them, and and I and I owe you one, buddy. I, I sincerely do. And yeah, thank- you 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 guys showed up at the right time. I remember waking up to your phone call, and I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, this, you guys, Kate, you guys are coming out on the right day. Well, and for for guys who are going to go out and, and do a trip with with Ian. Uh, you're fishing with a true pro, man, who spent a lot of time on the saltwater. So you will learn a lot just by listening to what the guy has to say and watching what he does. Well, and and you get aboard with all rivers and saltwater charters, and great operation. You, you can fish from anywhere from, from here to Costa Rica, and, and know that you're in with some of the best sticks there are. He's Ian Winder, AllRiversGuideService.com, dude. Thank you very much for your time, Ian, and good luck. And let us know how you do next Saturday on the opener, buddy. All right, sounds good. Hi, right, man. Good luck, Mark. Soon, good. Take care. All right, later. All right, coming up next, Raymarine picks of the week for the first Saturday in March. Finally, man, we got mm-hmm. February behind us. Uh, right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station Seven Ten, Seattle Sports App. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Raymarine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Raymarine, simply superior. <laughs> Leave doubt in your wake. High-performance marine electronics for fishing, cruising, and commercial mariners. Find that and more at raymarine.com. Well. You're the one that went out to the peninsula. Don't look at me like you didn't catch a steelhead. Don't look at me like you didn't catch a blackmouth. Don't look at me like you didn't put a bunch of anchovies, put pins through their heads, and put them little hoodies God, it, and spin them behind flashers. It did feel good to, to spin some chovies what, what is it? What is it about just dunking a freaking downrigger ball that just is medicinal? Uh, what no, what is it, man? I, and and you you know you say it all the time that sometimes I don't mind fishing for them. Sometimes so you don't mind fishing I for them. I kind of like the fact that we had to we had to <laughs> stick it out and kind of grind a little bit out there. And and uh, but man, listen, here's what's going to happen out at CQ. There's going to be days where the bait's going to show up, yep. and it's going to bring with it a whole bunch of Chinook. Yep. Um, we just lucked onto it last year where we found bait right out of the gate, and that, that bait was up at Pillar. This year, the guys that ran up to Pillar, zilch, nothing. And and that's just a product of no the, bait. I know, right? but that, dude, that is never a great move. You know, I, I mean, you spend all day getting right to CQ, and you can literally start your kicker from Brandon Mason's front porch and and take that little corner to the caves. Yep. That should always be your first move because, you know, especially it's your first day in the water, you know, is that the right release? Is there, you know, you're just kind of getting stuff settled and just that act of getting gear in the water and you're so close right there and there's just, it's a great way to start. And get, get and then let somebody else make that make that yeah, move. Make yeah, yeah. So is that what you did? Some did, did you talk to somebody? Did you call somebody and no, tell them I to did. run up the pillar? I did not. No, but I, <laughs> I saw two boats right away that morning leave and head that direction, yeah. and, and they disappeared around the corner, and they were gone. And you never and then, never you know, came back. I keep looking to see if those guys come yeah, back. If they come back, <laughs> then we may have to run. And now we there was a time in the day where it was really slow, and, and Pete and I, Pete goes, boy, should we run up there? I mean, the tide. It was just starting up there, and I'm like, he's like, what would Tom do? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, Tom would have four downriggers. Yeah, out yeah. Like, yeah. Well, no. and that's well, one three. thing. We yeah. we only had two rods. Yeah. We didn't have that suspended herring, which 
Here's the other thing. I, got, I caught my fish on anchovies, um, and you know that the, the anchovy is always effective. But uh, you know, the next day was it was pretty lumpy out there, so we actually opted for going and floating the sole duck. Very and, cool. And, yeah, uh, yeah. But the I saw a beautiful Chinook caught. So, yeah, Mike Serdik sent me the wow. picture. His buddy, I think his name's Colin, with a that, legit 18. One of the biggest Chinook we've seen come out of that fish. Could be the 20 past pounds. It could have been a 20 I, I don't know. Could have been. Yeah, I'll try to find out what it was, but a beautiful dandy. fish. Here's the other thing. The fish that we did catch and that fish in the picture, their faces were tore up. Yeah. They had been digging in the mm-hmm. dirt because whatever bait was out there. We, we, did, um, we marked one patch of bait. Coming from Slip through the bay, kind of later in the day, we ran back up to Slip, um, to slip Point there and, and kind of did that inside the bay drag mm-hmm. at about 120. We, we saw one little pile of bait. When I say a little pile yeah, of bait, I, I mean little. Wow. Both of our – we hit fish. We doubled, and I sent you a little video of what oh, yeah. double. Oh, yeah. And they were, they were like keeper-sized fish, but we kicked them back. Pete went back on his uh, finder and dropped a pin, and he goes – this is embarrassing. That's the smallest <laughs> pile of bait. I was like, dude, you just dropped a pin on 37 candlefish. But, cool. you know, dude, when you're it, not seeing bait and the fish were, yeah, those fish and, were on that little bit of bait. And, and so, and so, but you said two really, really key things right there. Number one, there, that, that edge just outside of Clallam Bay right there has that perfect sandland substrate, mm-hmm. number one. And we know it because all the fish we caught there, we've seen sandlands in their guts, too, and, and, and other things, too. But but then also you, you actually marked fish, but the fish you caught had striations or, or, or trauma on their gill plates indicating what are they doing. Dude, they're down on the rocks digging those things out. They're down there grinding so, on those because, on those Because fish. that's the only thing on the menu. Yeah. Right? So weirdness. And then, but that... Third downrigger, when you do have fish suspended, and the problem with suspended fish is, I mean, picture picture a flashlight beam. And if you are pointing a flashlight beam straight out in front of you, there could be something 10 feet away from you and 10 feet directly off to the side, and that flashlight beam is not going to illuminate it. That's the same thing that happens with a cone of a transducer underneath your boat. You could have fish that are up in a water column, and they could be fairly, very close to you, and you're not going to mark them just by virtue of that cone of water and sonified by the face of that transducer is not going to sure. reach those fish. Sure. So so by running, just making a habit of running that third downrigger and running a bait back there, we didn't know this. We, were, we After we started catching them, we started marking them up in the water column, but that's where the bait was too, and there was birds there last year too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, and if you remember, we, we did that, you know, the caves west down to like Preacher – and it just wasn't happening there. I mean, there was nothing. So we we ran last year, and just like Ian was talking about, well, we were running up. Mm-hmm. We started seeing elevated bait. Like we're in 200 feet of water, and we're seeing bait at that 80 to 140, and we're dropping pins on it. And, and we went up, spun around, started trolling downhill on it, and those fish were elevated on the bait. The, the, the suspended fish out there – always seem to be bigger fish too like if, if you're fishing the caves and you're fishing that 120 and you, you that's got why I, you got that's gear why I, in the I, dirt you want something in that 40 to 60 that's why range I, that's why i'll always hate that awful kalen fegley because 
we were running. I was running a perfect herring back there on a brand new Islander reel and a brand new rod that Greg's custom rod made on, and that thing just ripped out of the clip, and he was standing next to it when it went off, and it killed. So that was a night. That could have been the biggest fish of the day. Yeah, yeah and definitely. and just yeah, on the middle. And so the again, it's so much fun not to have a flasher on that rod, just a straight bait and popping it out of the middle clip. But if you don't think. That over the course of the season, having enough guys on board, enough with your transom to run a third down rigger, makes a significant difference to the amount of fish that you encounter. Think again, gang. No, man. Think again. If you got room yep. to stick that shoot rigger right straight out back, man, do it. Also, we got razor clam openers this week. Uh, we got uh, Copalis today. Um, we got Moke Rocks uh, Sunday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, still a little poopy with regard to the marine toxin. Uh, Estimates at Long Beach and Twin Harbors, so stay tuned for that as well. That that should open up. I had this segment marked out because we were going to talk about the Skagit and Sock and how we'd fish the Skagit <laughs> and Sock because it was going to friggin' open today. And it and so I have heard from uh, Edward Eliezer, WDFW, actually emailed me this morning and said, hey, listen, we don't have anything to announce just yet, but we fully expect to hear we something, something next week. Next week. And, and, and look, yeah. if if you just have to go catch a steelhead, uh, call our buddy Mike Z. Okay, go, yeah, go out, out there. They they've been catching fish, or or uh, hit up Kalen Fagley. Kalen's out there too. Um, both those guys are dialed. They're catching three to five fish a day for their guys. Um, you know, Pete Road. Do we down. actually have to have Kalen on the show next week? Yeah, we do. Yeah. All right. All right. But um, Pete rode me down the soul duck, and it was gorgeous. I mean, it it was so awesome. And I caught a beautiful wild steelhead, and then I was just like, eh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, I just want to smoke a cigarette. That's it. <laughs> and, then, and then Pete got one, and we had about six miles of river left that we could have yeah. floated, and we were just like, Man, this has been the most amazing day. Well, and, and we, when 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 God made a steelhead river, that sold out is salt incredible. Up. It's it's whitewater and drifts, mm-hmm. and just just an amazing way to spend the day, you know. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I I spent a lot of time, on, you know, out of the peninsula chasing elk and chasing steelhead, rowing down those rivers, and you know, I mean, I remember I remember rowing a lavro down there. I remember rowing. What was that old? Was it a east side? Yeah, the old East Side drift. That's an old drift boat, dude. Probably the first one, first boat I ever rode down there was it was a fiberglass boat. And I mean, even before they started kind of seriously coming up with aluminum boats, because aluminum boats, you roll them down a river, they'd stick, and then here mm-hmm. comes glove it and coat it and all the different things. And you know, it's changed so much. And then yesterday, or excuse me, earlier this week, you were out in a in a, in a raft, yeah. which which is one of the most maneuverable coolest it's just such a different feel than a drift boat um it's very soft it just feels soft obviously it's a raft you you can kind of pinball your way down the river but but they they also float slower Mm -hmm. like there were some of those pieces of water we're going down these rapids and i'm like obviously i would not try to (laughs) row down the river in my labro um I was like, man, we would be, I'd be flying and I would be crashing into rocks and flipping over. But yeah, no, amazing, amazing trip out there. Uh, And rowing a boat, rowing a boat down the sock. I don't care if it's a raft. I don't care if it's driven. There's an art to it. There's without question. I mean, you, you have to set yourself up and then, you know, everybody's heard of double rapids before and and the claw was no joke either. Right. You, You know, I mean, there's that stretch of water is eating a few drift boats. Yeah, for sure. And, and. 
you know, and I remember back in the heyday when there was just a whole bunch of, uh, you know, boats going down the Salduck, a lot of different, you know, a lot of different guys and everything. You'd, you'd see a couple drift boats in the rocks. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. like sunk. Yeah. Like, oops. I, I, I mean, yeah. I've seen that on the sky. Yeah. True. You know, yeah, this is about true. it. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where if you have not ever been down the river, you better go with one of these guides. If you ever think you're going to go out there and do it yourself, you got to go there. There was pieces of the water where I'm trying to read the river and I'm like, okay, well clearly you'd go left here. And Pete, Pete's yeah. like, no, no, no. no. If you go no. left, <laughs> I know it looks like the main flow <laughs> yeah. goes that way, but there's a, there's a big drop. There is. Dude. So then you end up going down this skinny little chute, yep. you know, to get around it's, that drop. It's, it's reading water. It's postgraduate reading yep. water when you're and and the upper socks like that too yeah there's for sure. little false channels and braided channels mm-hmm. and stuff like that and so well we're talking about floating the sock like mm-hmm. like it may actually happen uh one quick question before we end the segment here from the uh from the 206 uh does domoic acid that closes razor clam affect surf perch fishing we're, we're talking about um two different animals and two different methods of feeding Razor clams and clams in general, moss, are filter feeders. So they take in a tremendous uh, amount of water and then and then strain their food out of it. And so what happens is the domoic acid bioaccumulates and and so and, and gets in. There's an uptake rate that that happens in the in the razor clam. Surf perch they're feeding on a little different critters and and they your, don't. Your they surf don't, perch are safe. You're, you don't worry. You if you yep. but if you do get numb. Eating a surf perch, back off on the Jack Daniels, and and you'll you'll probably. And if be you do, if you catch too many, just give me a call. Yeah, just, I'll we'll come take, take, take a few of those perch. off your hands. Jam packed hour two. Our dear friend Mark Huasa, go check out a, the blog he laid down on theoutdoorline.com. A very expansive discussion of of the forecasts, all the species, everything. He's joining us next. He's good. we're going to do a deep dive on some of the forecasts. So again, uh, text us up if you have any forecast questions. Eight six six nine seven nine three seven six three. Excuse me. <laughs> 866-979-3776. That's the at Reverse Giant Hotline by Trout Wellcraft Duckworth. Then our dear friend Jason Tanelli from PacificAngler.ca. Um, he's He's got the coolest tackle shop in uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia. Super good guy. Massively knowledgeable. And he's going to tell us about a little change to Canadian regulations that are probably going to help us out down here. Packed hour two. Stay here. We're right here at the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports App.